Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring a chapter from Invasion of the Saucermen and Target Earth, the original magazine stories that inspired these late-night movie classics written by Paul W. Fairman. This is a special treat for vintage science fiction fans. Paul W. Fairman was the author of not just one but two stories for science fiction magazines that were later purchased and transformed into classic 1950s drive-in theater horror fare. Oddly, both tales were published in the same year, 1953, two months apart. The first, Deadly City, appeared in the March 1953 issue of Worlds of If under Fairman's Ivar Jorgensen pseudonym and was filmed as Target Earth in 1954. The second, following closely on its heels, The Cosmic Frame, was a featured story under his own byline in the May 1953 Amazing Stories and was licensed twice, the first time under the title Invasion of the Saucermen in 1955 the second as The Eye Creatures in 1965. Fairman was also the author of a story, Brothers Beyond the Void, chosen for dramatization on the Twilight Zone under the author's original title, People Are Alike All Over. All three appear in this unique anthology, which could be seen as the book equivalent of attending a drive-in double feature with a selected short subject as a bonus featurette. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Invasion of the Saucermen and Target Earth. Ten minutes later, Sam Carter was sitting beside Lee Hayden as the latter pointed his Chevrolet toward Storm Lake. Damn fool kids, Lee muttered. Why didn't you find out what happened? They may have killed somebody. Probably did. The least he could have done was tell you. Let's just get there and find out, Sam said with tightness in his voice. They went into Gardner Road from the south end, and Lee drove slowly along the ruts and chuck holes. Why in tarnation did they pick a road like this? It probably looked pretty good to them. I wonder how good it looks now. Can you please drive a little faster and break a spring? I'm doing the best I can. Sam held his impatience in check until the headlights picked out the rear end of the Packard. It stood squarely in the middle of the road. Doesn't look as though there's any damage, Lee said. We, we can't see the front end yet. Lee pulled up 50 feet back, and the two men got out. There was a flash of white, and the two young people appeared from some bushes by the roadside. Joan, a pretty little brunette, looked ethereal in her white party dress, out of place in spike heel pumps on this lonely country road. Johnny Carter's handsome young face was drawn and pale. What are you two hiding from? Lee demanded. Sam asked, What's wrong here? There, there's no other car. It wasn't a crack-up, Dad. It's around in front. Come on, Joni, you stay here. I, I feel a little weak. I'll, I'll go get into the Chevy. Johnny helped her in and closed the door. Then he turned and said, Come on. As they walked around the Packard, he added, Now, Brace yourselves. You're going to see something you never saw before in your lives. They rounded the car and stood for a moment. Then Johnny snapped on the Packard's headlights, and Lee Hayden croaked, Great God in heaven! Is, is it real? 
Sam Carter felt a chill run both ways from the center of his spine, freezing his legs and rendering him mute. Johnny said, We were driving along, and I wasn't negligent, I swear it. Maybe not too alert, but who'd expect anyone, anything to appear on this road without lights? Anyhow, I, I saw a flash of it, and I hit the brakes, but it, it was too late. I thought it was a man at first, and I got out and actually picked it up before I realized. He took an unconscious step backward and rubbed the sleeves of his coat as though they were covered with filth. Still frozen, Sam Carter tried to find thoughts to describe the horrible thing. It was not more than four feet long and had a head far too large for the thin body. Its skin was green, the shades varying from deep to very pale. It had thin legs and two spider-like arms ending in hands with thin, delicate fingers and a thumb on either side. Its eyes were lidless and sunk into bony pockets in the round, pale green skull. There was a network of dark veins all over the body, and the feet were shapeless pads with neither toes nor heels. There was a full minute of complete silence. Then Lee Hayden got out a few words. Is it, is it dead? It's dead, all right, Johnny said. When I came around the car, after I hit it, the big veins were pulsing. You could see its blood or, or whatever in there moving through. Then they got slower and stopped altogether. That blue light the boys saw, Sam muttered. It was a spaceship this time. Lee Hayden, though his face was still filled with loathing, seemed to have recovered somewhat. This one must have wandered away. Never saw a car before. Didn't know there was any danger. Probably attracted by the headlights, held like a moth. Johnny said, It's ugly right enough, but it looks kind of pathetic, too. Lying there, dead. Never knew what hit it. Sam came out of his shock. One of us had better go tell the sheriff. You go, Johnny. Take the Chevy and drop Joan off at home. Okay. The boy turned away. Lee Hayden had been staring at the hideous thing, and a calculating light was now dawning in his eyes. Wait a minute, Johnny. Lee raised his eyes to Sam Carter. You realize what this means. I realize that this is something from outer space, man. An, an extraterrestrial, they call it. Came down here to Earth in a ship. And here it is. Sam was puzzled. I can see it. Right. And you and I, the four of us, are the only ones on Earth who know about it. Joni doesn't, Johnny said. I don't think she saw it when we hit it. And after I looked, I wouldn't let her go near the front end. I was afraid it would make her sick. Lee Hayden's eyes glowed. Good. Smart boy. Then there's just the three of us who know. Sam Carter frowned at his friend. What are you driving at, Lee? Just this. There's money in this thing, Sam. Loads of money, if, it, if it's handled right. But we can't go off half-cocked. I'm afraid I don't get... Use your head. If we call the sheriff and everybody finds out, then we've lost it. There'll be photographers and reporters, and, and the knowledge will be public property. You mean keep it quiet? Johnny asked. Unless we bury it somewhere and forget about it, the public's bound to find out. Of course, 
We want them to, but in the right way. Not until we've thought it over and figured the best way to exploit it. Get what I mean? How would a showman handle this? How would Barnum have done it? Call in the police and give it to the public in exchange for a lot of publicity and no money? Use your heads, both of you. Sam said, No, Lee. We've got no right. This is serious. This may be an invasion of some kind. We've got to be public-spirited and the hell with the money. Johnny said, If we knew Russia was going to attack us tomorrow, would we have any right to sell the information to Washington? The boy's right, Lee. We can't fool around with a thing as big as this. The hell we can't. This is no invasion. You both know it. It's a chance to make more money than any of us ever saw. It's not right, Lee. Why not? We aren't going to withhold anything. I say, just take it easy. Don't rush into anything. With our mouths wide open and spouting information, 24 hours is all we need. I'll go to Sioux City and get the thing lined up right. Get a contract with the people who know how to exploit a thing like this if we can't figure out how to do it ourselves. But in the meantime, what if 24 hours won't make a difference, I tell you? And in that length of time, we can arrange a setup to make fortunes. Sam, don't you want the kids to start out life with a real bankroll? Do you want them to struggle along the way you and I had to? In one day, we can set them up for life. And ourselves, too, and without hurting a soul. It's your obligation, Sam. Can't you see it? Lee Hayden argued on. After a while, Johnny Carter stopped voicing objections and watched his father, evidently ready to go in either direction, Sam decided. The father looked at the son and misinterpreted his manner and expression. He thought, Will the boy hold it against me if I deprive him of this opportunity? Do I have the right to deprive him? Possibly Lee is right. Either way, the country will know, the government will be alerted. He turned to Lee Hayden and asked, How do you think we should go about it? Hayden's eyes brightened. I knew you'd see it my way. Now, I'll tell you what we'll do. You and Johnny take the thing home and hide it in your basement. Yours is best because there are only the two of you. I couldn't hide a fly speck in my place that my wife wouldn't find. Well, what about Joan? Johnny asked. She didn't see anything, but she knows something happened. She'll ask questions. Ah, you leave my daughter to me. Joan will do as I say, for a while, at least. Now let's get going. Johnny went back to Hayden's Chevrolet, turned it laboriously around, and headed for home with Joan beside him. Gripping the wheel, he grimly staved off her questions, stopping them finally with, Ask your father when he gets home. He'll, he'll tell you about it. Joan Hayden crouched miserably in her seat. A fine end, this was, to a romantic date. We hope you enjoyed listening to this sample chapter from Invasion of the Saucer Men and Target Earth. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.